All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Big day. Start of this legislature session today. Yeah, all the MLAs back in Victoria. I've already seen the a bunch of them. Session back on. Two of them forgot their passes. I had to let them in. Oh, is that right? <laughs> well, it's like the first day of school. <laughs> exactly. Right? Uh, so you get the throne speech coming up this afternoon. <clears throat> 2 o'clock or 2.10, I think, from Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin. So she's coming here just before noon. She's going to prorogue the session, the current session that uh, ends the session formally. And it comes back. And today's all about there's pomp and ceremony, right? Yeah. Big military honor guard out front. She'll be inspecting that. The cannon, 15-gun salute. Right. If you're listening and you want to come down to the legislature, by all means, come. Don't bring your dog. So many <laughs> people bring loud. their dogs on the lawn, and the dogs freak out because it's like fireworks. Yeah. These enormously loud cannons start going off, which is yeah. a, a great treat to watch people jump unexpectedly they don't see these cans they're across the harbor but uh yeah it's, so she inspects the guard then she goes into the house and the person greeting her this is a first i've covered more than 30 throne speeches and every one of them the premier stands at the bottom of the front stairs right uh, with the red carpet uh, to await the arrival of the lieutenant governor and then escorts the lieutenant governor into the uh, legislature right Premier won't be there today. It's going to be Mike Farnworth, the deputy premier. Mm. He's premier for a day. Because David Eby literally will be in the air flying to Ottawa at the time the throne speech is read to get ready for a pivotal first first minister's meeting tomorrow uh, to talk about uh, securing a new funding agreement. Yeah, I want to get your health care. I want to get your take on that health care summit for sure. I I agree with you. Like, I don't think I can remember a time when a a premier was not present for a throne speech. No, no. No, I would argue it's... In much more BC's interest to have EB in Ottawa yeah, right. than here. Throne speech is really a day of ceremony. Yeah. There's no details in the speech. It's just yeah. broad strokes, sort of an aspirational document, glorifying the past year's a, a level of accomplishments, giving some clues of what to expect in terms yeah. of priorities in the coming year. What's going on in Ottawa, though? We're talking billions of dollars of funding for, for potentially for British Columbia. If Ottawa actually comes through with this promise uh, to have a new uh, funding formula uh, because healthcare is so expensive, even a minuscule change to the funding model, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars and likely billions of dollars. So much more important for EB to be there than here. Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's a lot of money on the line there in Ottawa and critical there for British Columbia to be represented at this summit meeting for sure. At, in the throne speech, let's just deal with the throne speech briefly. You know, obviously, notoriously vague, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, traditionally, the throne drone, not a lot, not a lot in it that you can really, you know, calculate no what precisely the precise direction of government. But what are you looking for, though? Like, he's already said that, didn't he indicate he's anticipating an economic slowdown? Yeah, so I think, I don't think we're going to get much, well, as you say, the, the throne drone, not yeah. a lot of information, but he has identified his favorite food groups, if you want to call them that, yeah. and that is um, improving health care. There's going to be a reference to that. Yeah. Uh, improving public safety on the streets. There'll definitely be a reference to that. Um, addressing some mental health challenges that's been flagged before. Uh, securing a strong and clean economy. So, you know, a strong economy with an eye to fighting uh, climate change. And housing and affordability. Yeah. Those are the key priorities for the EB administration. So that's going to be re- reflected in today's document. Maybe there'll be some explanation of some of the strategies that are going to unfold to actually achieve some of these goals. But uh, as I say, it all begins about 2.10. Okay, and as usual, seeing some online speculation about whether he might use this as a pretext to call 
a snap election? Could this be a precursor to a snap no. election? Let's go back just to put this on the record. Save this tape. Here is EB when he uh, recently asked again about would there be an early election? Here's what he had to say. I was all across the province. I didn't hear one British Columbian say, gosh, you know what I really hope happens now is a provincial election. They said, deal with public safety. They said, deal with housing, deal with health care. Make sure our economy is strong in the face of global headwinds. And that's what we're going to do. It almost seems, though, like the Liberals last week are almost hedging their bets with that big mental health announcement here. Well, you know, my one rule of thumb I always give, one political party really has no idea what the other political party is doing <laughs> because they don't think like the other political party. They think like themselves. Yeah. I just came from the legislative dining room, had breakfast and coffee with a couple of cabinet ministers, and we talked about this, yeah. and they said there's no way. No. Okay. And again, making the point, they love being in government. Anybody in the NDP government who was in opposition – for years, and just dreaded that. You know, John Horgan, we talked about before, just hated being in opposition, as did many members of the current cabinet. There's no way, even though it's it's uh, Evie's call, the counsel he's going to get from anyone in his caucus is, who's been around for a while is no. There's no way an election. We've got two more years we can govern. Why yeah, not spend yeah. those two years um, or a year and a half um, actually doing something in government? I mean, the, more, the longer they're in government the more accustomed they come to being in government, actually being able to uh, do things. Opposition is completely toothless and powerless, and it was frustrating for these guys to be in opposition for 12 years, many of them, and they don't want to go back there. And they don't, and even not necessarily saying they lose an election if one were called, but why take the risk? And that's the counsel EB's getting. Why take the risk? Okay, EB in Ottawa today for the beginning of this first minister's summit on health care. What is BC's agenda there? I mean, obviously they're looking for a lot of money, but Ottawa had been putting down that marker that, well, if we're going to give you billions of dollars here, we want some control over how the money is spent. We want strings attached. Basically. Yeah, and I, I don't detect a huge pushback from BC on that argument. I mean, if you, if there's strings attached and we're talking billions of dollars, well, fine, have strings attached. One thing Ottawa's looking for is some measuring sticks, a data um, a system that can show the outcomes of that that flow with the with the flow of dollars. Ottawa says, and I think it's a perfectly valid point. If we're going to give you billions of dollars, we want some accountability and some measurement of and some bars to are we hitting the bars we need to hit with that type of money. So I, I don't see that being a huge problem, uh, but BC has some unique. Challenges versus other provinces. We have an older population because people come out here to retire yep. in much greater numbers than, say, Nova Scotia or Newfoundland. Uh, so th and the older you are, the more you access the healthcare system. So BC has some unique needs, I think, that look sort of different than other provinces. And BC might be looking for some aid on that. Okay, we've also got this massive toll of drug overdose deaths that were outlined last week. And we see a, a renewed focus by both major parties on the issue of drug addiction, mental health. And once again, yesterday we saw EB, it's becoming a bit of a pattern with him as well, a Sunday news conference, yeah. this time with the, the mayor of Vancouver, Ken Sim, also the Vancouver Police Chief Adam Palmer here, announcing an expansion of that sort of ride-along police car program where you have a public health yeah. nurse riding along with police uh, on mental health interventions. Here's what EB had to say here about working, working with the city of Vancouver on that. For Vancouver, they've identified an opportunity where they can step up and support the efforts that the province is rolling out province-wide across Vancouver region. And I want to recognize that the mayor has done that uh, and, uh, and made that commitment, found that opportunity, and is delivering for Vancouverites. Uh, it's not an either-or. 
Uh, it's all of us working together, and I think that's what today's announcement is really all about. Now, this is coming from a guy who endorsed uh, Kennedy Stewart to yeah. be uh, re-elected as mayor, but he seems very forging close relations with Ken Sim here. Oh yeah, you and I have talked about this before. I think there's. He's only been premier less than three months. He's already. This is the second news conference with the mayor of Vancouver. Yeah, sharing the stage and you know patting each other on the back. I think there's evidence this is going to be a much stronger working relationship between this government and Vancouver City Hall than it existed under Kennedy Stewart and the previous and, and the Horgan administration. So. Yeah, I, I expect Vancouver City Hall, Ken Sim and his group to work much closer with the current NDP government because it's in both their interests, mutual um, dependence in terms of getting things done and working together. So I look for more joint news conferences like Especially this. Especially on this issue of mental health and addictions as well. Do you expect that to be mentioned in the throne speech? I think so. About? I think mental health and addictions, I've got to call them out uh, today, um, talking about how last week was really dominated by the yeah. issue of mental health and drug addictions. Yeah. And that's not going away. It's, it's, you know, it's just beginning. No one has the magic solution to this. There's a lot of working parts. People have different ideas. The Liberals weighed in with a major announcement last week with their own mental health and addiction plan, yeah. $1.5 billion over three years. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be a dominant issue in the spring session. All right. It's Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest, and the phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Dave in White Rock. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Take off, eh? Anyway, guys, uh, good morning. We live out in South Surrey, and we live in the Totem Cooperative, and in about six months, everything is going to be up for us. We've been asking the government to try and purchase the property, and uh, there's been sort of nothing happening there, but I, I'm not even complaining about that. I'm just pulling up to let you guys know that there's 58 families that are going to be basically homeless in about six months unless oh. the government can oh. put some of this money towards put, getting the, uh, the property purchased. What's happening? Why, why are people being... Why is that yeah. happening? Well, the, the lease is up. Like, we own the buildings and everything, but the lease on the property is over... And we've had some developers come in and say we'd like to develop, but we can't get any news back. But we're, what we're trying to do is just get the government to buy the property so we can keep the buildings going. Uh, 58 families, yeah. uh, happy as anything, living where we are. But and uh, did you did like you say it? Did you say it's a co-op? Yeah, it's a co-op. Okay, maybe maybe you could give me seventies. Maybe give your contact information to the, our producer. And we can follow this up. Yeah, stay on the line or, or send me an email, please, Dave. Yeah, we'd like to follow this okay. up. Okay, Mike at CKNW.com. Send me an email. Just remind me that we we talked on the air today, and I, I will look into that. I mean, this is something that, you know, and EB made that big announcement about protecting affordable rental uh, rental stock and housing. This would seem to be right up the government's alley well, yeah. in terms of, you know, stepping in here to ensure 50 families aren't on the street. Right, because he talked about a massive expansion of, of funding going to nonprofits to, to yep. buy up uh, rental housing. Now, this may be different as, uh, with a co-op, but maybe some different rules on there. That announcement seems to be slow in taking off and forming this this yeah. society to, to be able to purchase land. But, Dave, again, uh, send us your details, and we'll definitely yeah. follow it up. Yeah. Charlie and Langley. Hi, Charlie. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, I'm hearing nothing in any of these announcements about new schools. Uh, we've got uh, sitting here in Langley next door to Surrey, fastest-growing school districts in the province without a doubt. We're having to purchase more and more portables to put students in. 
but we're hearing nothing about new facilities, new buildings to house these people that are moving into our area. Yeah, um, you're in the fastest growing area of Metro Vancouver, no question, and you can't keep up with the demand for for schools. Uh, Surrey's been flagged as a problem for years with the portable situation there. There have been some new schools started, but uh, Charlie's right. I mean, it just can't keep up with demand. Well, it's not only schools, but it's hospitals, roads, bridges. I mean, when you take a look at the immigration numbers coming to Canada and British Columbia over the next 10 years, it's it's huge. It's like, the government, we're at record high immigration right one and now. A half and million, a lot of people want to move here. One and a half million people coming to Canada is yeah. the government, federal government's goal. A huge chunk of that's coming into, into B.C., and a huge chunk of that will locate in Metro Vancouver. That's where everybody wants to be. Um, but what, one thing that's also interesting, one thing I'll be looking for in the in the budget that comes down, uh, the f- uh, provincial budget in February, back to school construction, the cost of construction has exploded. Yeah. Um, not just uh, in small uh, projects, but big projects. This Cowichan Hospital that's being built just north of uh, Victoria has gone from like $600 million to $1.4 billion. It's a, a construction costs are exploding, and that may have an impact on the government's capital plan. So I'm going to check the capital projects uh, compared to last year and this year in that February budget. I think there's going to be a story there. Chris and Ladner. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Justin Trudeau uh, says he wants huge numbers of immigration to come to Canada in the next 5, 10 years. We all know it's going to come to Quebec and Ontario and B.C. So B.C. needs more money. So my question to you, Keith, is we need money for hospitals and infrastructure, housing. Is there any way that Premier Eby can legally stop payment to um, the federal government every year to keep more of that money to fund the money that we need? No, not legally. Um, but there's a, a constant argument between provinces and the federal government on infrastructure money, on capital spending. I mean, that's just part of the dialogue that occurs every year. The pressure on Trudeau, who I think is stuck right now in a bad spot, he needs some good news. This is why I think there's going to be a health care deal. He needs to turn the channel right now. Uh, he's sliding in the polls. He needs to find some some positives, and that, I think that means more money for provinces for health care and potentially more money for hosp- for provinces on capital spending, whether it's hospitals, schools, not schools, but uh, joint funding well, for how about, transportation. Well, projects. how about housing? I mean, I had Ravi Kail yep. on, the, the B.C. housing minister on the show here a couple of weeks ago, who was saying, like, he's looking at these immigration numbers uh, and the number of people coming to British Columbia. We need, more, we need money from the feds for housing. And not just money. What about land? The feds own a lot of a lot of land in in every province. Is federal jurisdiction give up some of that land to allow houses to be built on it? Right now, the how long is this? Uh, the health summit goes on for a few days, does it? No, or? just one day. Just, it's just a, one a couple day hours. Day. But okay. but uh, I think the goal is to establish at least a framework of some certainty, and then hand it off to the the officials to work on. But you don't expect a months. deal today, no, yeah, or tomorrow. Right. But, you know, I wonder, though, you you speculated that maybe Trudeau drags this out a little bit. So he's got a, a big news thing to announce before yep. a federal election. I think he, I think he has to send a, a positive signal tomorrow that there is going to be something done. The details can be left in the weeks ahead. And I think that would serve him well. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.